I may only be preaching to one person tonight. But if it one person can be helped. Jesus did say that the shepherd left the 90 and 9 and went after the one. So if I'm only preaching to one, then I trust that God will have his way. But I feel this so strong in my spirit. And if you'll go with me to the book of Acts chapter 27 and verse number 21. We're going to begin at that verse, read down through verse 32. It's uh, more scripture than I typically read, but this is what I feel tonight. Acts 27, 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. Now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. And when the 14th night was come and we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it 20 fathoms. When they had gone a little further and sounded again, they found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should fall upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea, under color as though they would cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. From that last verse, I want to extract from that verse my title, and I want to preach to you a few minutes. Cut the ropes. Hallelujah. Cut the ropes. Would you lift your voice and ask God to help us tonight? I believe God wants to talk to somebody in this house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let the hand of your spirit be upon us. power of your presence rest on this congregation tonight. Let the will of your spirit be done in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And everybody shout amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Praise God. For many years now, uh, because what I, when I originally uh, came across this uh, news article that I read, uh, there has been a, a very much of a great concern about uh, our country, our nation, and because of a particular event that took place and the things that happened in the aftermath of that, uh, they were asking a question, have we become a nation of quitters? And so in, in thinking along that line, I uh, began to look to see what else might be uh, addressed regarding this particular attitude and I noticed that there were a large number of articles that were written along that same line. I discovered 
that this was quite an interesting thing because it wasn't just the one area that I had read originally about, but there were many articles that used this terminology in speaking of different subjects. For instance, from the political world, uh, marriage relationships, even careers, or the medical world, even something they said as simple as reading. They stated that many people, when reading content, stopped after two minutes of reading. And it's because that we have a propensity toward just simply giving up. The pressure might be too great. Circumstances may be negative. Situations may arise. And we feel like that the only answer to our dilemma is to quit. And so what I also noticed is that it wasn't just confined to the United States. But I found that bloggers and journalists and columnists from all over the world wrote from that same perspective that they were concerned about their nation and their culture, their society, and this attitude of simply quitting or giving up. And so what I discovered is it's not just a national problem and it's not just a world problem. It is a human problem that there is that propensity toward uh, just giving up when the circumstances become greater than what we feel like we want to deal with. Recently, I even noted a statement that was made. All of us are very aware of what we have come through the past three years. And recently, I saw this statement. It said this. It said, we have quit the pandemic only to start the pandemic of quitting. And when I read that, I thought, God, that is so true. Because everywhere I go, there's help wanted signs. Nobody wants to work. Everybody's quitting society. They're just walking away from everything. And I come tonight to try to preach a few minutes. That there is an hour at hand. That if there's ever a time that we need to realize that it's a time to hold on. It's a time to be committed. It's a time to make consecration. It's the time to devote yourself. It's not the time to quit. It's not the time to give up. It's not the time to walk out. But it's time to say, I'm going to make my mind up. I'm committing myself. I'm surrendering myself. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it. Amen. No time to quit. No time to quit. The prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 51, 1 and 2, he said, hearken ye to me, ye that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. What the man was saying was you need to remember where God brought you from. You need to remember what God brought you out of. You need to remember the deliverance that he gave to you. And I'd like to take it a step further tonight and say this. When you feel like quitting, you need to remember why you started. When you feel like stopping and giving up, you need to remember why you came to church. Why you went to the altar. Why you got baptized in Jesus' name. 
while you lifted your hands and were filled with the Holy Ghost. Anybody glad for where God brought you from? Anybody thankful that God delivered you out of a world of sin? Praise the Lord. I'm glad. You see, I'm glad because there's a lot of things I never experienced. My testimony is not one of deliverance from, from drug, uh, drug addiction. My testimony is not one of being delivered from alcoholism. My testimony is not one of being delivered from a life of, of degradation and sin on every hand. Amen. I was raised in this, and I thank God for my heritage. I don't have the testimony some of you have, but my testimony is I'm glad he kept me from all of that. I'm glad he preserved my life. I don't know what a cigarette tastes like. I don't know what liquor tastes like. I don't know what the world tastes like. Come on. Amen. Someone's going to tell all of us tonight, wherever you're coming from, hang on. Wherever you're coming from, stay the course. Hey, I feel Holy Ghost in this house tonight. I feel like we kicked the spirit of resistance out of this place. Amen. Moses said to the people, remember, Exodus 13 and 3, he said, remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall be no leavened bread. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. What Moses was saying to Israel was this. The only thing that God wants you to remember about Egypt is the day that he brought you out. That's all he wants you to remember. Don't remember the leeks and the melons and the onions and everything else you partook of down there. Just remember the day I brought you out. Remember the day that I took the whip of the taskmaster off of you. Remember the day that I brought you out by a mighty hand. That's all I want. Come on. Hallelujah. Some of us need to stop tonight and remember one thing, and that's the day you came out. Don't look beyond that day. Don't look at all the things that God brought you from, but remember that there was a day. He brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Remember the day that he set you free. Remember the day that he lifted you up. Somebody shout amen. But one of the things I notice where quitters are concerned, the main problem is they quit because they have an alternative in mind. Amen. They don't just have plan A. They also have plan B. So when things don't go like they think they ought to in plan A, they quit trying and they turn to plan B. So in our text tonight, Paul is on a ship and he's in a storm. And you will notice that right when it looked like the storm was at its worst, there were those that decided to bail out. And the reason that they decided to bail out is because they had an alternative on board. 
We call it a lifeboat. Amen. I want to read verse 29 and 32 through 32 from a different version because it gives it, actually I want to read verse 30 from a different version because it helps open up what is actually happening here. It said, as the sailors were trying to escape secretly from the ship and they were lowering the small boat into the sea, pretending that they were going to lay out anchors from the bow. What this verse is telling us is that the sailors were doing one thing while pretending to do something else. Because they had an alternative on board. The reason why marriages wind up in the divorce court is because there's an alternative. I'm going to preach what I feel here tonight. Amen. The reason why families break up is because there's an alternative. A couple of years ago, the most the, the, the wealthiest man of the United States announced that he and his wife of 25 years marriage was going to, 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 to divorce. They were separating. I told my wife, I said, give it about two to three weeks and we'll find out the reason why that there's a separation in a 25-year marriage. And it wasn't long before the news came out that he had been dating another woman on the side. I want to tell you, friend, this is the problem with those who decide to quit. It's because they have an alternative in mind. It's because they have plan B sitting on the back burner and they decide I'm going to go this route. My, my, my. Boy, I feel Holy Ghost in this place. I feel Holy Ghost. Anybody feel what I feel right now? Amen. And so here's the problem. Here's the issue where church is concerned. We have a lot that come to church. We have those, I should say, that come to church. And they are pretending to live for God. Amen. I, I, I feel like the liberty of the Holy Ghost is here tonight for a reason. I feel like the atmosphere in this house is here for a reason. Because there's a word that God wants to help somebody with tonight in this house. And that is to tell you it's time for you to cut the ropes. You need to cut the rope to your plan B. Cut the rope to your alternative. Cut the rope to what you're playing with in the background. I can't hear you. Amen. Well, I can't wait till I turn 18. I'll get out of here. I'll have my own friends. I'll do my own thing. But until then, I'm going to pretend like everything is okay. I want to preach to a young person here tonight. You need to cut the rope to that kind of thinking. Cut the rope to that kind of an attitude. And make up your mind. I'm selling out. I'm going to give it all I've got. I'm putting myself on the altar tonight. Paul said, except you abide in the ship, you can't be saved. Except you remain where you are, you're going to be lost. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost, help us. 
Something just came across me right now. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what your problems are. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what your trouble is. I don't care what your life looks like. Suicide is not your answer. I said suicide is not your answer. You need to cut the rope to that kind of thinking. You need to cut the rope to that kind of an approach. Get rid of that boat. Get rid of that alternative. And make up your mind that living is the right answer. Walking with God is the right answer. Come on, church. We have a pandemic of suicides in America. The highest rate among young people that's ever been. Don't think when we come to church and the Holy Ghost is moving that there's not people struggling just to survive. They're struggling to keep their head above the water. They're struggling to make it through the circumstances of life. You hear this preacher? Sometimes it's easier to die than to live. I said it's easier to die than to live. That's why people choose suicide. Because it's easier to commit suicide and die than it is to face life. And to face the problems of life. To face the troubles of life. But I want to tell you about a Jesus tonight who made a promise to you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. But I will be with you. Come on, church. The reason people backslide is because they've got an alternative. They've got a, they got a different plan in mind. I got news for you tonight. I got one plan. I said, I got one plan. I got one plan. That's all I've got. And somebody said, what if that don't work out? I got no other plan. I've got no other decision. My mind made up. I've got my feet on the rock. I've got my mind made up. I'm serving Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. Cut the rope. I said, get the scissors out and cut the rope. Before you walk out of this building tonight, you need to cut the rope. Before you leave this house tonight, you need to cut the rope. Before you walk out of this sanctuary, you need to make up your mind. No more plans. No more alternatives. I'm making a commitment tonight that I'm putting my life on the line. I am going to commit myself to Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. The prophet Ezekiel said this in 8 and 16. He brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men. 
Now, if you read all the verses around it, you will understand that this is a reference to a younger generation. It was not a reference to an older generation. It was a reference to a younger generation. There were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they worshiped the sun toward the east. Simple, simple understanding of what the prophet is trying to say. He was saying these 25 men were in the right place. They were just facing the wrong direction. I said they were in the right place, but they were facing the wrong direction. I feel it, Holy Ghost tonight that there's some people in this house that you're in the right place. The church is the right place. The house of worship is the right place. But you're facing the wrong direction. You've got your eyes on the world. You've got your eyes on pleasure. You've got your eyes on sin. you got to turn around. I said it's time to turn it. It ain't just time to cut the rope. It's time for you to turn around and start facing the right direction. You're in the right place. I told you I may only be preaching to one person here tonight, but that's enough. I said that's enough. That's enough because I'm here tonight to challenge somebody. You need to turn around. You're in the right place. You're sitting on the right pew. You're in the right sanctuary. You're among the right people. You're hearing the right word. You're in the right place, but you need to turn around. Quit looking at the world. The world's not your answer. Sin is not your answer. Pleasure is not your answer. You need God. You need God. Amen. You're between the porch and the altar, but you got your back toward the house of God. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice. Listen. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice. He was in the spirit, but still facing the wrong direction. Oh, glory to God. You can come to church and you can shout and dance and still be facing the wrong direction. Oh, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost in this house. You can, you can be here. You can be in this place. And you can be lifting your hands. You can be clapping your hands. You can, oh yeah, you can be pretending that you're worshiping God. But you're planning something else. John said, I was in the spirit. And he said, I heard a voice behind me. And I turned. The answer is simple. Turn around. You're going the wrong direction. Turn around. You're not facing the right direction. Hallelujah. 
I'm not here to preach a pretty sermon here tonight. I'm here to save somebody. I'm here to get a young lady to make up her mind. I'm not going to backslide. I'm not going to walk out on God. I'm trying to get a young man to make up his mind. I'm going to quit looking at that worldly girl and trying to date her. I'm making my mind up. I'm going to get back focused on the right things. I'm going to face the right things. I'm going to face the word of God. I'm going to face the house of God. Praise the Lord. I feel the burden of this in my spirit tonight. I'm trying tonight to reach for a young couple that you've been struggling in your marriage relationship and you've been toying with the idea that maybe the divorce court's the best thing for us. I'm telling you tonight, cut the ropes. I said, cut the rope. Turn around. I'm reaching for somebody that's been, com- that's been contemplating suicide. And I'm telling you tonight, turn around. There's a voice behind you. There's a voice behind you. You're in the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost tonight, but you're just facing the wrong direction. You need to turn around and let Jesus make a difference in your life. Turn around and let Jesus do the work that needs to be done. Let me tell you about divorce. You'll close the door to one set of problems, but you'll open the door to a whole new set of problems. Huh? Amen. Sometimes it's easier to get a divorce than it is to continue with a marriage because you got a lot of stuff to work through. But think about your children. Think about your future. Think about the continued weight, the badness, the load, everything that you're going to have to deal with. I said it this morning. I'm saying it again tonight. I know it sounds like I'm coming on like a bulldozer. First weekend that I've ever preached at First, uh, at First Pentecostal Church. But I can't help this. This when, when the Holy Ghost moves, when the Spirit of God begins to talk, I'm sorry, I can't back up. I can't come here and play patty cake. I can't come here and just pretend. I can't come here tonight and just try to make you feel good. I've come tonight to save somebody. I've come tonight to turn a marriage around. I've come tonight to help somebody have some hope. Some hope. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt as you come unto Zoar. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the plain of Jordan. Why did he behold the plain of Jordan when he lifted up his eyes? Because that's the direction he was facing. I'm, this is simple tonight. This is not complicated. I'm not preaching a simple message or a complicated message. I'm just preaching a simple message. He stood there. He, when he lifted up his eyes, he was already looking the direction of Solomon and Gomorrah. 
He was already looking in the plains. His face was already set in that direction. Don't tell me that was the first time he looked that direction. Don't tell me it was the first time that he toyed with the idea. No, oh yeah, hallelujah. You see that there came a point. There came a point. Let me, let me just tell you what, what Lot's problem was. Lot was a man who walked with a man who walked with God. Abraham walked with God, but Lot's problem is he walked with a man who walked with God. And there came a point that Lot had to make a decision. Lot had to decide. And when Lot decided, he decided based on the direction he was already looking. Because you will go the direction that you're facing. If you're facing the world, you're going to go the direction of the world. If you're facing sin, you'll go the direction of sin. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching here tonight. If you've been in and out, you've been in and out, there's a problem with you being in and out. It's because you've never made up your mind. You only got one plan in mind. Come on. You, you never, you never, you've, you've always got a plan B. You've got an alternative. You've always got something else that you're thinking I can go do. But there comes a point that you have to decide. I'm going to make my mind up. I'm cutting the ropes. I'm going to face the right direction. I'm going to turn my life around. Paul said, stay with the ship. Cut the rope to that alternative. Because you see, that thing called a lifeboat that you think is your answer. Paul said, you get on that boat, it won't be your lifeboat. It'll be your death boat. Because he said, if you get off the ship, you're not going to make it. You're not going to live. You're not going to survive. But it's your lifeboat's going to become a death boat. And so your alternative tonight will become the very thing that destroys you. I feel Holy Ghost. Does anybody feel what I feel? Amen. What if it doesn't work out, Brother Bass? Well, it's worked so far. And I don't have any other plan. So if this don't work, I don't have any other choice. Whew, hallelujah. Look, I'm trying to keep this thing up over and down. You keep throwing this stuff up here at me, it's going to take longer for me to get the job done. That's the problem. You get it started and they want to take over. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I'm, I'm going to make a couple of more observations and I'm going to close. Because I feel like God wants to work in somebody's life here tonight. In Acts 19, Paul is at a place called Ephesus. 
This was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on all of them. The name of the Lord Jesus was magnified, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. Amen. I think I might be in the middle of the... Oh, glory to God. They brought their books. They brought their curious... They, those that used curious arts brought their books and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. That's no small bit of change. That was a large sum of money then and a greater sum even today. But when they found Jesus, they said, we're burning everything in our past. We're burning all of our books. We're going to burn everything that we were engaged in before. I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I, I believe the first Pentecostal church is about to experience, amen, about to experience some folks that are going to come out of that dark world of curious arts, of spiritism, of Ouija boards, and every other kind of wickedness. Come on, don't sit on me. This gospel will break any chain. This truth will break any bondage. They didn't care how much they lost. They burned their books. They didn't care what it cost them. It's a shame when folks come in and God fills them with the Holy Ghost and they get baptized in Jesus' name. They said, you know, I, I think what I'll do is I'll decide, I'll just, I'll just kind of store my worldly clothes and I'll store my jewelry and I'll store my makeup. I'll store all the things. I'll put my, uh, I don't want to throw away this whole box of cigarettes. I'm just going to put it back there in the drawer in case this don't work out. You just made sure it's not going to work out. Because the devil will make sure that every day you pass that drawer, you're going to be looking at it. And you're going to be thinking about it. you got to decide, I'm throwing everything away. I'm getting rid of everything like the world. I'm getting rid of sin. I'm getting rid of ungodliness. I don't care what I've got to do. I'll burn the books. I'll turn around. I'll break the yokes. I will cut the rope. can remain standing Jesus preaching one day got a lot of folks upset and the whole crowd left him the only thing he was left with was 12 and one of them was a devil and Jesus looked at them and said you want to go too Peter piped up and said where would we go where else would we go I have a question tonight. Where would we go? I wouldn't even know where to start. I wouldn't even know what to do. I don't even want to know what to do. I don't want a starting point because I'm not going to need that starting point. I had a starting point when I was six years old and I got baptized in Jesus' name. I got another starting point when I was 12 and I got the Holy Ghost. And I've never looked back. 
I've been up and down, but I've never been in and out. Because my mind's made up. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you some folks that need to run to this altar tonight. And you need to cut the rope tonight. There's some young men that need to be in this altar. You need to cut the rope tonight. There's some young ladies that need to be in this altar. Cut the rope. Hallelujah. There's some that need to turn around, turn around, turn around. Face the right direction. Make up your mind. I don't have an alternative. From this day forward, there is no more alternative in my life. I'm warning somebody in the Holy Ghost. I, I don't normally feel this strong about it, but I'm warning somebody in the Holy Ghost. Your lifeboat's going to become your death boat. I said your lifeboat's going to become your death boat. Your alternative is going to be the death of you and the destruction of you. That's why you ought to run to this altar right now. Amen. You ought to run to this altar. You ought to run to this altar. You ought not to, don't drag your feet tonight. Don't, don't play games with God. I know what I feel in the spirit tonight. I know what I'm feeling in the Holy Ghost. That you need, to, you need to get out of that pew tonight. You're a young teenager and you think you've got your life ahead of you. Forgive the personal reference. I rarely, rarely ever do this. But young man, young lady, you think your life's ahead of you. That's what my 18-year-old grandson thought. He'd been at a youth conference, shouted and danced and talked in tongues. On his way home, around Seminary, Mississippi, they lost control of the automobile. He was ejected through the roof and died on the side of the hallway, the highway. My firstborn grandson. I was the first one at his at the funeral home that that night of his family. I was not. I was only four or five hours away when I got the news. I headed that direction, not knowing whether he was alive or dead. Young man, young lady, you don't know that your life is ahead of you. All I can say tonight is I thank God that in the days before that he went on to meet the Lord, that he was talking in tongues, that he was shouting on a platform, dancing before the Lord with all of his might. The consolation I have in his death is that he was living for God. If your life was taken from you tonight, what would be the testimony you would live behind? What would be the testimony that people would say about you when they say they were living for God? They were walking with God. I, 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 feel, I feel something very strong here tonight. I feel something very, very unique. This is very real what I'm feeling saying it one more time and then I'm closing and this altar's open somebody's lifeboat's going to become their death boat because you didn't cut the rope 
You didn't stay with the ship. You didn't stay on board. You didn't make up your mind I'm going to live for God. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what my problems are in life. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to persevere through them. I'm going to force my way through them. I'm going to make it. Whatever i got to do, I don't care what i got to give up. I don't care which direction I've got to go. I'm going to, I'm going to put my life in the hands of God tonight. And if it, if it means that i got to struggle every day of my life until I get to glory world, at least I made it. At least I made it. At least I got to heaven even if I had to struggle every day to live for God. This altar's open right now. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait. Hallelujah. Church, we got a number of people in this altar tonight. And I don't think they're in this altar just to be in the altar. But I believe they're here tonight because there's a hunger in their heart to cut the rope. We need some praying saints. We need some intercessors here tonight. We need some people that are getting behind these that are in the altar and pray with them right now. Pray God delivers them. You ought to bring your marriage to the altar tonight. Bring your marriage to the altar. You got a drug problem? Bring your drug problem to the altar. You got an alcohol problem? Bring your alcohol problem to the altar. You got a problem with immorality? Bring your immorality to the 